way back in 2003. We started to see the potential for geospatial information, but also the importance of sharing. The level of awareness, you know, since I've been doing this has just increased. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Aware podcast. You just heard Terry Takai, Vice President of the Center for Digital Government and former CIO for the states of Michigan and California, describe the rise of geospatial technology and location intelligence and governance. Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigates the role of CIOs in driving sustainability, efficiency, and modernization initiatives in state and local government. Hi, Terry, and welcome to the Esri and the Science of Aware podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I've studied a little bit about your career, and it is truly remarkable. You were the CIO for the state of Michigan, the state of California, and the Department of Defense. Now you're the vice president for the Center for Digital Government, which is a research media and events company with a mission to make government better through technology. And prior to all that, you had a long and formidable career at the Ford Motor Company. So you have a really unique perspective, having worked in multiple sectors across these years. And I want to ask you, how do they work or not work together? And we all know that they have very different charters, very different incentive structures. So I'm interested in learning from you. How do they coalesce to pursue common goals for the greater good, if you will? I think there's several ways that they really can come together and coalesce. You know, one of the things I think that uh, we talk with companies about is that the pace of government is different. Uh, the decision-making processes are different. And so several things are really important in an, a partnership. I think, first of all, government decision-making takes a while. And so it's really the companies that are the most successful are those that build a relationship, understand that time frame, and work within that time frame. The other, I think, real factor that helps companies build partnerships is that they build those relationships with many people in government. You don't just go to the CIO to get a decision. You need to have the technology folks, either chief technology officers, uh, whoever's involved in that technology as a part of it. And then it's also important to have, quote, the business of government, whether that's health and human services, transportation. So it does mean that for technology companies, it's a little bit more complex but at the same token, the technology companies that are successful feel that they own making government better. They own delivering services to citizens, and they're the ones that are the most successful. What role does technology play in this sort of accelerated dynamic of sharing and cooperation? I think that technology is the heart of it. One of the things that happened as a result of what we've just all been through in the pandemic, is that it raised the awareness of the importance of technology to making government run to a level with executive offices, with legislatures, really across the board. It was always there. For those of us that were CIOs, we always felt and knew that we ran government. But when government had to go remote, 
It was the CIOs who had to step up. They had to get equipment, they had to get secure connectivity, they had to get collaboration tools in place. And uh, as um, one individual who's a CIO told me, you know, as of now, my technology folks could ask for a whole lot of things that they couldn't ask for before because they now have that credibility. And so a part of that is in the information sharing. If you just think about the role that governors played, that health and human services organizations played in conveying important information to the public, it was all around, you know, how do you share information internally, but then how do you share information across and with the federal government? The next thing that's really bringing that to the forefront um, really are the CARES Act initially, the American Rescue Plan, um, and now it's going to be a part of the infrastructure plan where these funding uh, sources now include not only federal government, but state and local government. And so that information sharing and that accountability is really going to be at the heart of, you know, what really pushes these initiatives forward. So the technology is pushing the initiatives, but the technology is also a part of the reason why these technologies have come to the forefront uh, and people are seeing them as important as they are. Do you think that these technologies will deliver on the promise or are they delivering on the promise? Well, I always feel, Mariana, that the hype kind of precedes the actuality, if you will. And in some cases, that isn't a bad thing, you know, unless there are a string of failed projects that, you know, sort of have their own life But I do think that, first of all, the ability for organizations to have greater choices in how they run their technologies, whether they're running them in the cloud, whether they're running them uh, on-premise, that is already delivering. Several years ago, folks didn't know. We're definitely seeing the introduction of artificial intelligence in ways that are embedded in what the technologies are that governments are bringing on. We saw that in call centers. There were folks that would run extensive pilots in the past before they would bring new technologies on. In the pandemic, they had no choice. They brought them on, they tried them, they saw whether they could work or not. So the part that I worry about is that as we're getting into this sort of post-pandemic cadence is Will we be able to do the cultural change, the organizational changes to get people to understand and accept what some of these technologies can do? And that's not to say it's a bad thing or it's a gating factor, but it will sort of gauge how quickly in answer to your question, we get to that actuality of meeting the promise. In your current role at the Center for Digital Government, which is an advisory organization, among other things, what are your primary tenets as you work with state and local governments on policies and best practices, especially as, of course, that relates to technology? Well, the number one thing uh, that we focus on, Mariana, is we focus on you should not be looking at technology for technology's sake that it really has to address a well-defined need uh, in the agency, and it has to be championed by either a senior level 
senior official within a, a government agency, or it has to be something that the governor's office wants to do. Um, because again, that then brings the parties together to be willing to spend the time to have a successful technology implementation. The second is that we're advising governments that they have to not only be centered on the operation of government, but they have to think holistically around how the citizen looks at government. Not to name any names, but there are far too many state, city, county websites where you go on and it just lists the departments. And of course, if you're a citizen, you don't know where you, you need to go to have your particular problem answered. So we often talk about it and maybe it sounds a little trite, but we talk about a citizen being aware of what's possible through their online buying experience. And how do you make working with government match that experience? Also, how do you make it happen across multiple devices now, right? I mean, so many folks, as we think about just digital equity, are working from a smartphone. They may not be working from any number of the devices that you or I might work from. So it's now moving into thinking more broadly about that citizen experience and making sure it covers everyone, which is where digital equity comes in. So that's the second piece that's so important. And then as I mentioned, the third piece is to make that experience happen, you have to continually be updating and thinking about how everything is gonna run in the background. It really has to be modernized so that these services are secure, they're efficient, and they're effective. I can definitely attest being in technology that it used to be all about efficiency. And today it's very much about customer experience, as you say, citizen experience. And that's happening in the private sector as well. I'm glad to hear it's happening in the public sector, that transition of uh, mindset, if you will. The other thing that you mentioned, which was interesting, operations comes last, first starts vision, strategy, governance, and then you talk about operations, all really interesting points that are very relevant. And we'll talk about leadership because a lot of it is leadership and change, and I'd like to explore that with you, given your experience. But before I go there, could you Talk about your time uh, when you were the CIO of the state of California and you created something called the Geospatial Information Systems Task Force, which ultimately led to an appointment of the state's first GIO or Geospatial Information Officer. What was all that about and how does that impact, you know, the whole process and decision making in the state? Well, I have always been since I really got to the state of Michigan and understood the importance of a geospatial organization. I was very fortunate in Michigan because I had a fantastic GIO and he really kind of educated me that it's not all about maps. Uh, and this was way back in 2003. And uh, we started to see the potential for geospatial information, but also the importance of sharing. You know, that realization that it's not just maps is really that realization that geospatial is kind of alive, if you will. It's not just looking at a document and placing something on it. 
It's the ability to actually place a person or a service or an action within where that is in the world, if you will. And I know that sounds kind of broad, but it's almost a 180 look at what geospatial means and what it can do, how it can help government serve citizens. So one of the first things that I was working on was to draw in the state with counties. And one of the things we formed very early was a collaboration between the state and the count, one of our largest counties to share data. Because again, they were going straight to actual individual residences. We had no way of collecting that data. And so we were able to actually share that as a, at the state level. So that was one. The second is that um, I was able to see that everything that government does is placed in a geographic location. There is not an agency of government that isn't thinking about how their services are going to impact citizens, which is all location-based. So when I got to California with 130 CIOs and 10,000 uh, IT folks, um, one of the things that I saw was that opportunity to be able to share all of the information that was being collected separately, be able to share the platforms so that organizations who perhaps didn't have the ability to justify the use of some of the more sophisticated platforms would be able to balance each other. And to do that, you really needed someone that was going to head that up. And in California, where things are very decentralized, back to my earlier comments, you couldn't get there by mandating that people shared or telling people that they had to share. You really needed to bring the key decision makers together let them talk about how, in fact, they could work together. And then out of that, um, work with the governor's office to actually get a position established that would help to lead that effort. What are some of the obstacles of getting it better or getting it right? I think that, that there are several things. I think that um, some of it is, it's, it all gets back to funding and prioritization. Part of it is a cultural change, which is getting all the technology organizations to understand how you can embed geospatial in your application areas without spending additional money. Bringing it in and trying to do it after the fact means you have to spend additional money. It should be at the forefront of everything that you think about as you're putting in applications, as you're thinking about cybersecurity. So part of it is the technology mindset. Um, in some cases, it is making the case for why it's important and getting the funding for it. Um, so I think that you know, those are two of the things. And I think the third thing is um, continuing to combat the, it's my data, I'm gonna own it, I don't wanna share it. Those are cultural barriers and not just geospatial data, but the state uh, CIOs, the state chief data officers, um, and the, the uh, CIOs at city and county still battle that uh, mm -hmm. in terms of it's my data, you know, I want to own it, and I don't really want to share it. Can you share how you would advise other leaders to assess risk 
in embarking on some of these initiatives that could potentially quote unquote fail, how do you know when it's the right level of risk? Is it individual? Are there some best practices around that? Well, I have a several factors that I look at. Um, one is that I have found that technology projects, except for you know, sort of some back-end projects that maybe people don't understand necessarily, but for every technology project, they succeed or fail, not because the technology people have succeeded or failed, but because they have worked closely with the business partner who's going to be impacted by that technology. So that when the technology folks do something, that we do something that doesn't work, that my business partners are forgiving that I'm working it, I might've done something that I hadn't expected and are they willing to work with me? The second piece is that sometimes the technology decisions aren't the end decisions. How many times have we all said, well, we wanna change a business process to make it look like this, but the business people can't decide. So on really important projects, um, what I've worked to do is to co-lead those projects. So that the technology person is on a steering committee, if you will, with a person that owns that business process. And so when that happens, collectively together, we're making a decision on how do we decide what to do to go ahead? How do we teach the business people to do something different? How do we modify the technology so that the technology works differently? So to me, uh, that, that concept of having what I call an executive sponsor, as well as a technology sponsor, is the first thing that I look at in mitigating risk on a project. Very first thing. The second thing that I look at is to make sure that we have the project management in place. Very often, people don't, they sort of say, oh, well, we know how to run this. We don't need someone that's doing that level of tracking. But I always like to have an independent project manager who is matching not only what I'm doing for the technology, but what the business folks are doing to either give us requirements, be part of testing, even in an agile environment, it's even much more important to have project management. So that I think it, you know, is the second layer of minimizing risk. And then I think the third layer, um, certainly in today's world, is making sure that you understand the, as best you can the technologies and that also you're thinking about in order to get the right technical skills, do I have them? Do I need to buy them? If I need to buy them, how do I do tra technology transfer so that my people have those skills? So those are the things, uh, Marianne, that I look at to really mitigate risk. Terry, I love listening and learning from you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Terry Takai for explaining the evolving role of CIOs and emerging technologies in 21st century state and local government. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about how location intelligence enables digital transformation and drives growth, visit esri.com forward slash location intelligence.